All right, you may be seated. If I could get some lights, that would be awesome. Hey, there you are. It's good to see you all. Well, I want to begin with this this morning. God is good. And all the time, it's a joy to say these words together as we acknowledge God's goodness. And in all the ways of our lives, that God has always been and always will be faithful in His goodness towards us. And we begin rightfully here this morning as we acknowledge this truth, that He is good all the time, and all the time He is good. And as we say those words, I still know, but I don't know who has walked through these doors this morning who has questioned whether God is good all the time. Having experienced hardships and trauma and the tragedy of life has probably brought some questions. Perhaps we all have asked those kind of questions. God, where are you? God, what are you doing? God, what are you trying to show me? In fact, I don't think it's stretching the truth that we all have or we all will ask questions like this before. Maybe you came here this morning with more questions than you had answers about your life, about your purpose, and about your meaning. As we ask this big theodicy question faced with the existential purpose of our lives, we bring our James study to an end. And so I want to pray right here right now as we begin this message as we end chapter 5 of James, this long road. It's been a beautiful road. And so with that, would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we acknowledge right here and now that as we enter into your word in the book of James chapter 5, God, that we have questions. And God, we also know that you are the one who beholds all of the understanding and all of the answers. We thank you for our time in James as it's been a, a book and a study and a, a time to reflect and ask the practical faith questions and, Lord, ultimately apply it to our lives. We pray here and now, God, that you would be with us, that your Holy Spirit would invade this place, that you would fill our hearts and minds, that you would allow us to understand, that you would allow us to receive what you would have for us, that, God, we wouldn't just go through a motion of hearing a message or reading your word, but, Lord, that we would be transformed and called into the life as a disciple. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I must tell you that soaking my entire week in this scripture with these kinds of questions of God's goodness hit home for me Thursday morning. I was leaving the house with the intent to put words on a paper in order to be ready for Sunday morning, and I was overwhelmed with all of my to-dos in the face of the day before me. Now, perhaps you can relate to that. As school started back up this past week, maybe it's something taking place in your family or at work or a surgery or some kind of health concern. Maybe it's been a long road of anxiety and depression, and we don't have to look far to feel or experience the inadequacies, our failures. The mere fact that life sometimes is just overwhelming. 
of going here to there, and so on and so forth. If that's not enough to say, let's look for a moment at some of the headline news articles. Fires all throughout the U.S. and Europe, war in Ukraine, talk of UFOs, presidential debates, arrests of our last president, drought, inflation, division upon division, and the list goes on and on and on. And so if we, our own selves, aren't wrestling or struggling with something, we just look out the window and see there's a whole world of chaos taking place right now. And all of this, though, we must ask ourselves, how much of this is self-induced from our schedules to our being overwhelmed to all of these different things that we see even in our own homes and beyond? How much chaos do we truly invite into our lives and in turn ask God where it all went wrong? Or God, what is the next step to take? I think it's no secret that we bring a lot onto ourselves as God has been removed in so many areas of our lives. In either case, the common denominator is where do we place God in our lives? I ask you that question this morning as we've gone through James. Where are you with God? Where do you put your relationship with Jesus Christ in your life on a daily basis? James brings it home this morning here in chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, with the literary form called a chiasm. It's a form of writing where the main points are given and then given in reverse order. An example of this is where we just started a moment ago. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. And so listen with me here to James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. James begins in 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth uh, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of God for us this morning, so let's unpack this practical faith as James starts with suffering and then stating of being happy and then being sick. James brings it all together as we remember where we started in our study. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When James uses here in chapter 5 the words suffering and sick, there are no qualifiers for that word. It could be a physical suffering and sickness. It could be a mental suffering and sickness. It could be a spiritual suffering and sickness. But most often, when there are no qualifiers, there's no description given on that suffering and sickness, we resort back to some kind of physical sickness or suffering. Whichever the case, we have to notice what the antidote, what the cure is for that suffering and sickness. And you might notice this morning you didn't get one of those little cards with all of those points on it because I only have one point and it's this. Pray. Pray. If you're sick, pray. If you're suffering, pray. Are you suffering? It simply says pray. This doesn't mean if you're going through suffering that others can't pray for you, but your immediate response is for yourself to, to reach out, to call upon God. As Addie had the cell phone up here, how many times a day are we on our phones communicating, and how many times do we have an opportunity to communicate with God and, and we choose not to? Are you happy? Sing praise. Not of your own goodness, but praises of how good God is. I love that James just smacks that right in the middle. Are you suffering? Pray. Are you happy? Sing songs of praise. And we'll get to that here in a moment. And then James says, are you sick? Call upon the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil. Sickness here is the cousin of suffering. And there is some kind of physical, spiritual, or mental ailment. If this sickness, as James is talking about, elders are, are the pastors, the overseers of the church, as we see in Acts chapter 20, we see in Titus chapter 1, 1 Peter 5, they are identified as persons of faith who are mature and wise within the church. And they're to pray over the sick by anointing them with oil. And the oil used in that anointing is it's not medicinal or sacramental, but it's best seen as a symbol of the healing power of the Holy Spirit. As we see the use of anointing oil in the Old Testament, Exodus 28, and in the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke 4, Acts chapter 4 and chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and Hebrews 1. We see it all throughout, this anointing of oil. But in any case, as James talks about this oil, the anointing oil is used in the name of the Lord. It is God, not the oil itself, that heals and is at work. But we also must understand this and have some caution with what James is saying. Specifically, verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. 
Far too often we see verses, specifically a verse like this, that is twisted to hurt others. And I've shared this before, but I think it's appropriate right here, that at at a funeral there was a family member that said, you know, they wouldn't have died if you would have just prayed more. Boy, how does that sit when someone is putting somebody's life or their circumstances dependent upon your faith and ability to pray? These moments of suffering and loss of a loved one can be manipulated by Satan to get us to think that if we don't pray enough or if we're not good enough or if we don't have this faith enough or if we don't have the right words, God didn't and won't listen to what we ask in prayer. And as I share this, I know it's an extremely rare case, but it does happen. But let me offer this simple example that happens all the time right here. Remember what sickness is? Someone that is sick is to call on the elders and the leaders of the church to pray over them, to allow the church to pray, to intervene, and to intercede on behalf. I think every single one of us right here, myself included, could raise our hands in the ways in which we didn't reach out to our church and ask for prayer. Because there are many who have been sick and or are sick, and or are going through things who have not called out to the church to ask the pastors nor the leadership to pray over them. The common thread or the words that I often hear is, you don't want to be bothered. You're too busy. If your situation is enough to worry about or have concern, it's more than enough to be prayed about. And I ask you to rethink the belief that, oh, I'm going through this or that. I'm not going to let the church know. I don't need any prayer. I've got it or we've got it. I want you to think about what you're doing when you have that mindset. One, you're taking away the role of the church, your family. As we read right here, we we, we are to pray for our brothers and sisters. We're to confess to one another. And at any one point that we take away that ability of prayer unto God, we're inadvertently saying that prayer of this kind doesn't have any power or purpose for me. We rob God with the ability to come in and intercede. We often use the other excuse, you know, I, I don't know how to pray or what special words do I need to say The Lord is clear that there is no special words to say. It's about the heart of a person. To dig even deeper yet, when God says prayer offered in faith will make that sick person well, the Lord will raise them up. Now this has a twofold meaning. In the ESV and the NRSV, the passage says the prayer in faith will save the sick person. Save or be made well means two or both things, a physical healing and a spiritual healing. We do not know the entirety of God's God's thoughts, His plans for our physical health, our mental health, or healing this side of heaven. But we do know God's thoughts and His plans of complete healing, both physical, spiritual, mental And Jesus Christ kept secure, awaiting us in heaven. 
as we read in Revelation 21 and we sang this morning. No more pain, no more suffering. He will wipe away every tear and we will be with him and he will be with us. What James here is not teaching, understand, not teaching, is that all illness will be healed if people would simply call upon the elders and the church and make ourselves have enough faith. Because we know, and we've walked through that, we've had those experiences where we've prayed, and we've prayed, and we've prayed. And that loved one still went on to be with the Lord. Healing, when it does come, both this side of heaven and the next, is always a gift from God, who is sovereign over all of our circumstances, including our sickness and our health. Meaning, again, that even in our faith or lack of faith, it's not the reason that a person will or will not be healed. In the same way, healing is a gift from God, so is forgiveness through Jesus Christ. As verse 15 moves into verse 16, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Again, the healing may be that physical or that spiritual need of a person. And we read the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And James moves into a concrete example of Elijah. And I love this Bible verse because he says, you know, Elijah was a human being even as we are. Even as we are. He uses this example of Elijah in the Old Testament then continues to help us to see the power of Jesus' salvation offered on the cross, shared between the saved and the lost, or the one who has wandered from the truth to come back to know Jesus' salvation by another person sharing the message with them. Think with me how many people you talked with this week, interacted with this week, that don't know the message of the good news, the salvation of Jesus Christ? How many people crossed our paths that we chose in one way or another not to share the saving message of Jesus? In no way is James ending by saying, you and I can save somebody. It is the act and work of the Holy Spirit that prompts us to repent and believe Our role is to share the message. We are the conduit, the hands and feet, the servants to be there. We read in verse 17, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Boy, could you imagine being his neighbor? And being a farmer, whoo, that'd be rough. Or if he was a weatherman, right? It'd be great. You'd know for every day what's going on because of what he's prayed for. And James is using this illustration for us to understand that he is a common person. There's nothing special about him. But in his heart and in his, his earnest prayer to God, God listened both to not allow rain to fall and then for rain to fall. 
And then moves back into if anyone should wander from that truth, someone should bring that person back. Whoever turns that sinner from their, the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. So what do we do with all of this and what we've gone through in this book of James? You know, I recall that Thursday morning as I was rushing out the door to do my to-dos. And I was stopped in my busy tracks. As I reached our back door, I opened our big door and I was immediately met with our little storm door that was covered in fingerprints and smudges from Magdalene. The night before, Maggie took it upon herself to rub her face and hands all over the glass as I was outside putting my boots on. And she's just going back and forth. You know what it's like when you clean a window or like a dog or something. You're just like, oh, it's like, oh. I'm like, Maggie, stop that. And she got sad and turned and walked away. And I didn't give it a second thought other than I, got, I need to go get the Windex out, which I didn't immediately do. There I stood Thursday morning as I'm hustling and bustling, trying to get out. And I do not know, other than this simple fact, that God needed me to see that door that morning. As I was standing there, staring at the smudged fingerprints and face prints on this glass, I didn't go get the Windex as I was reminded that I didn't clean that. But I was brought to a deep question. I truly believe this was from God. How long will those be there? I was humbled by these smudges as her dad. I love her without end, and yet God's love and purpose for her life far exceeds anything I could ever comprehend. I stood looking at those smudges, wondering how long they would be there about her life, what will become of her, who she will be, what goodness God has in store for her. God reminded me through that window of his goodness. Even in the mess of it all, he's good. He sees from the beginning to in every moment of our lives. It's as if the smudges of our lives are all together upon his window. And he knows every single fingerprint and every face smudge intimately with a purpose. My first response was to just stand there and thank God for the mess. And all the ways that I was overwhelmed with the mess that I thought or I figured in my head and calculated of the chaos of the day's schedule. That's a mess that God wanted to turn into a message. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know every step that you have taken, whether it's been on that narrow path or that broad path. I don't know if you've suffered 
or if you've been happy or if you've been sick. But this one thing I do know is that God wants us to be with him, to know him. God desires and calls us to pray, to communicate, both individually, both as the church, as family, to know of his goodness and to share that. And so I challenge us this week as we move into the different areas and circumstances Where are those fingerprints and those face smudges in your life that maybe have been bothering you, that maybe have really just been sitting there and you've asked that question, how long? My prayer for you is that God would allow you to see that a little different this week because we know this side of heaven Nothing lasts forever. Nothing but a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that lasts. It's the only thing that's eternal. And so may you and I center our hearts upon that message this week, that Jesus Christ died for us, that he gave his life for our sins, that he rose from the grave and and through his ascension into heaven upon receiving the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, that we wouldn't just be Christians who would fit into some mold and come and sit in some motion of church, but that we would be active in really truly what Christ says in the gospel and living out that faith as a congregation, as an individual, as a a son, as a daughter, knowing that even in the midst of our own messes and even in the midst of the mess of the world, God is wanting to do something in and through you, through the power of His Holy Spirit. Would you be open to that? Would you receive that? Would you be willing to see what he wants to show you? All of that circles back. Where do you have God in place in your life? Is he there? Is he welcome? If not, why? The constant... We circle back to that one point, prayer. Pray. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. That as you have spoken through James, God, you cover every aspect of our lives. It's this mirror image of your gospels of the truth of your life and way in which you've given everything for us. And God, I thank you for all the ways in which you're calling us together as a body. That you are binding us together in the areas that we are strong and and Lord that you are working and challenging and pushing us in the areas that we are weak and we pray God that we would just continue to communicate with you through our acts of prayer and also Lord in the ways in which we would lean and rely solely and wholly upon your Holy Spirit that would be of your will for our lives that in everything that we have gone through Lord 
is in this moment that I hear John the Baptist's words. May you become greater and we become less. We praise you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.